Ladies and gentlemen, I am Chris Snyder. And I am Chuck Canty of the of Rumble. Rumble. And you are listening to the Local Earshot Podcast. There you go. Well, I work my fingers to the bone. I never get to go home. This is my ever-wanted life, man, if that's destiny. Well, I work my fingers to the bone. I never get to go home. This is my ever-wanted life, man, if that's destiny. Damn, I destroyed myself, but you contributed. I destroyed myself, but you helped. And I destroyed myself, but you contributed. Hello, everybody. This is Jonathan Grissom with More Bands Media and the Local Earshot Podcast. I am here with the Rumble, and I am here with Chuck Canty, Chris Snyder. All right, and um, I just want to start out the episode and do a shout out out to um, Oklahoma Hardcore. Uh, they did an excellent job out there at the skate park, a uh, little event in Plaza. That shit was awesome. Like there was a lot of bands playing, and there was a lot of good money coming in for all the different restaurants and stores and all that stuff down there. So it was a really really fun event. Um, so, uh, like, uh, so now we have on the rumble, um, there's an event on September 26th, the 23rd, 23rd, 23rd on a Saturday. 23rd? Okay. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, it's a art show and, uh, and there's punk rock. There's the Costanzas, the rumble and low down Wessel. Weasel. Our weasel. Mm-hmm. Shit. Fucking up shit. Um, <laughs> trying to read it sideways. Yeah. I'm fucking tired, dude. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, and so, uh, so like, uh, we're going to have, like, several different episodes. It's going to have uh, the different people on that are a part of the event uh, up until that date. So um, kind of tell me a little bit about your band and, like, where you guys come from, how you guys met, and uh, just kind of the, the backstory of the beginnings of the band. Well, I'll, I'll start this off, and then you can jump in. All right. Um, I, I moved here from Chicago because I was stationed at VQ3 at Tinker, and through other people at the Blue Note at the time, I ended up meeting uh, Bill Akins, who was my, and we became a, a band, They Play Wolf at the Two Piece, and we were being in the Paseo neighborhood where we practiced, that's how we ended up meeting yeah. him, Chris, mm-hmm. just like being in a neighborhood, like, hey, come sit with us and drink a beer, and then you come to our shows. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was always a big fan. I love Two Piece. I love the dynamics that uh, come out of a Two Piece. Um, I played music in a couple other bands. Uh, pandemic happened, also raising a family, trying to deal with all of that. So then one day, uh, the wife and I are at a grocery store, and I see this cat who I haven't seen in three years. Because the pandemic yeah. shut the world down. <laughs> and so uh, he says, hey, are you interested in doing anything? And I said, absolutely I am. And, uh, well, let's do practice on Sunday. And that began the rumble. Okay. And uh, where do you guys draw your... Um your like the stuff that you guys listen to and stuff that kind of brings into your music and kind of your style. I, well, I'd have to say that's good when we were on the same similar page on yeah. that because like we're we're both big Naked Raygun fans. Absolutely. Um, to say that I'm wearing a T-shirt for the Effigies today, and, and like one of the songs that we're gonna hear later, the streets kind of structured off of their stuff. Um, unfortunately, the singer of that band, John Kesdy, uh, was killed by an Amazon truck on his bicycle two weeks ago, which oh, is a wow. huge loss in the Chicago punk rock scene because he, like, helped start it. And his brother, yeah, his, br- his brother was Pierre Kesey, was in a first punk band in Chicago, Strike Under, who ended up being a bass player for Nick and Reagan and Peg Boy. Mm-hmm. And all those bands are kind of interrelated. Like, we're playing in this one and we're switching members, so it's always the same, same wheelhouse. So um, we were listening to a lot of the Effigy stuff, especially the song Rather Than See No One, and uh, 
Stiff Little Fingers is another influence. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Theros. Yeah. I, on my own, I was doing a lot of um, Irish folk traditional acoustic sets. Or like what, yeah, I noticed some of that and some of the music. Yeah, a lot of it would, uh, as they call it, the shanty Irish sex. It was more body. I kind of incorporated that in there because I'm that style of guitar player too. So try to get those elements on uh, the guitar side of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what other bands. The, oh, the, the Flaming Groovies are another roadmap. Certainly. Because um, they have a, a, a wide variety of work. And they've been a band for so long that they've made like, really unique punk rock records. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're kind of, I think they're kind of underappreciated. Yeah. Because some of their song structures um, are fantastic, and we were kind of using that too. And that's kind of why some of those instrumentals and some of them, like, I would say, like motorcycle type things, themes mm-hmm. are coming in, got us popular playing with the bikers. But I think things as well, like, uh, <laughs> like uh, I mean, the biker some clubs are kind of fun, though, to play at. Yeah, and they can be dangerous, as, oh, yeah. as, as we discovered after the Whiskey Barrel Saloon incident. Yeah, what happened there? Um, we played oh, that boy. show uh, on St. Patrick's Day with the Costanzas and the Black Powder Charlies. And, uh, a few it, days later, someone decided yeah, to like, uh, make so, some mischief happen of a bad order. Basically, yeah, I left my microphone stand there because I wanted to use mine. And on the, the week following that show... I went on Friday night to get it back. And the next day, <laughs> there was a big biker gang shootout inside that bar between, like, the Banditos and the Homitos, where, like, uh, three people died to, and three people went to the hospital. I think they accidentally shot the karaoke girl. Oh, damn. Yeah. Uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of strange. Like, I went in I mean, there. that's a dangerous career, is karaoke. Mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you can go in there right So, so wait. Like, so the other guy you're talking about, the stories, your stories are crazy. Because, like, the other guy, like, he, he, could, he died from an Amazon truck. And then this lady got shot. Just oh, the, yeah. And it's a standbyer in, the, in a that, that story gang fight. For Oklahoma City, that made <laughs> international news. Like, where they, that story made it to Japan. And yeah. all someone wanted to sing was tub thumping. It, and they got a, a hole put in them. Yeah, so what happened, to, to make a long story short, um, I went in there for a union meeting in June to meet a couple guys to have a beer, and they still had the chairs and there were bullet holes in them because they were too cheap to throw them away. You're like, oh, my God. Like, Jeez. they're saving the death chair in here? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's probably a reminder. Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess. <laughs> a reminder, but also, who doesn't hate a haunted chair? I mean, that is, that is a curio now. You can see where the bullet like went through the T-Golf game. You know, the little rollerball game. And then mm-hmm. went through this little wood wall that separates where the dance floor is where it hit the karaoke check. Dang, so that was like an actual shootout. Oh, yeah. Maybe they went like- in there to do a, like a straight-up uh, biker gang hit. Um, the fallout from that was I think 16 of their club members from the Banditos got arrested for that as a conspiracy. Wow. I mean, you could look that up in the news and, and get the whole running log of what happened. But. All in all, though, it was a great show. Yeah, it was a good show. <laughs> the actual show was great. The yeah. show, show was great. It's like, it's like playing... Uh, it's a good thing we weren't playing the following Saturday, and it was St. Patty's yeah. Day. Because like, like, everybody was like playing touches and stuff, and mm-hmm. like, and that was, that was a pretty crazy little place. But, I mean, the, the biker guys there, they kind of kept to themselves as long as you just respected them. Yeah, I guess. The, the guy, music was too rock and roll. They had to leave. Uh, they, they couldn't handle it so much. So. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to say any more about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll zip as well, then. <laughs> we live to tell the story. All right, so tell me, tell me a little bit about these songs that we got. So we got, we got 28 Days, we got James Tank, and then we got The Chair. Okay, um, 28 Days. Um, we were having band practice, and like how it happens when you start having, like, you don't want to play the same song over and over and over again. Um, that's something we've been aware of, like with our songwriting structures, is like a lot of bands fall into that trap. It's mm-hmm. like song one through 15 on their set list, 
it sounds like the first song all the way to the last song. So they have different kind of dynamics and stuff. And I was telling him when I lived in San Diego, I used to be in a band called The Flipside, and my guitar player in that band was friends with Hector Penaloza from The Zeros. So we used to go hang out with him. But mm-hmm. he wasn't playing punk rock at that point. He was like doing this bossa nova jazz bass playing stuff. <laughs> and, uh, but he was in a band called Loud, and he was telling me, like, we like to go to Spain because the Spaniards like their music more raw than in America. Mm-hmm. Like, we do better in Europe, and it's not worth it to tour in the United States. And I was like, really? Well, he gave me the CD for free, and I pulled it out, and I found it. And I was like, dude, I want you to listen to this, this uh, Northwest Road Trip song. Mm-hmm. It's like how, how, the, how this is kind of set up, and that's kind of how that kind of sprang out of that with, with that kind of influence. Because like, the Zeros were actually the first punk band in San Diego, so they're like, like gods down there mm-hmm. as far as that world goes. Um, and that was kind of the influence with that. Like the, the, the theme of the lyrics is basically like, hey, I know you're like messing with me. Things are going sour in our relationship. And I'm going to do this stereotypical guy thing. And I'm getting in my car. And I'm going to do 150 miles an hour down the highway to get away from you. And I need, I need my own space. And the 28 days part is like the reference for the month of February. Mm-hmm. And that's where the numbers come into play. But it only took 14 for you, for you to break my heart because you screwed me over on Valentine's Day. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, like, the 28 days, the whole month. The whole month. Yeah. There's only 28 days, but it just took you right. 14 to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, we'll play that one, and then we'll, we'll go into the next ones. Okay. Here I am. days by the rumble all right uh kind of tell me like uh what we were just talking about like uh you know instruments and all that stuff about the song well um normally like how we play live and at practice uh i'm a strictly fender telecaster thin line player 
um, which has special humbucking pickups in it that it drives itself. And I have a Fender Hot Rod Deluxe. And between that and if you have the amp set up right, we never have effects. We play clean for the live, for the live shows. So we knew that we were going to the studio, and that made it even easier because that's how we play for real anyway, mm-hmm. to like get the roadmap down. Like We're going to play live with guitar and drum with a scratch track vocal. And then I came back, and I ended up putting in the bass lines, um, and that took about five hours for all the songs. And then I came back again to do double-ups on guitar. because I think that's actually worth mentioning. Uh, our first run of the scratches we did in five hours just back to back to back to back. We, pract- we practiced like that so that we wouldn't mm-hmm. win because it's like a dollar a minute. This isn't a time to waste time. Right. So when we were practicing to get ready for the studio, it was, it was brutal. Mm-hmm. It was like no breaks. Yeah, no breaks. We'll, you just get through it. After, we get, after the 15th song, then we'll, we'll have a paps and a cigarette and then break time's over back on the get drum set because yep. we knew that we had to be in shape to go the whole distance. And th- at first, like Steve Boaz, he's the one that did the recording. And Norman. Uh, breathing Rhythm Studio. Breathing Rhythm yeah. Studio. And I've, he's, no, I've heard of Breathing Rhythm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's Plenty a, of times. He's, he's a sound genius. Like, he, he, he knows how to get the sound. And he, when he was like, yeah, we're going to do 15 songs or whatever. <laughs> he's he's like, like, are you are, kidding me? Yeah, are you serious? <laughs> Most bands can't get three done. I was like, we're doing all 15 today. I mean, yeah, but, like, I mean, I would say, too, though, is that, like, with punk bands, though, your songs are, like, what, like, two to three minutes on average? Yeah. So yeah, that, that's kind can, of good. Because, like, you're not, you're not doing a ten-minute song. Yeah, like, we're not. Like, sure. Ron Ramsey, you know, like, over in, like, Kingdom Ashes be, like, doing this long-ass fucking songs that are, like, 20 minutes long. It's like, Jesus, dude. Yeah, we, we weren't trying to pull a King Crimson song. in there. No. It, it yeah. was some Robert Fripp stuff. And we knew, too, that, like, the ultimate goal with the, with the recordings was, is that, it has to be mastered in two different processes. One for like digital, mm-hmm. you know, which is internet music or, or CD. And then if you want to have an album with vinyl, that's a totally different mastering process because the bass lines will be like so massive that it'll actually cut into the next groove of the record when they mm-hmm. go to like lay the record. So, and you can only get 40 minutes worth of music on an album. Mm-hmm. And if they try to cram more into that, that like makes it even weirder and it can like degrade the sound of the yep. actual vinyl. So we knew, like, we, could, we, we, got, we got to have it dialed in for a side A and B. Mm-hmm. And we're not trying to do Metal Machine music by Lou Reed with, like, a double LP, because <laughs> that's not us. Right. So um, that's kind of the science behind it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, then we'll play, uh, was it James Tank? Oh, yeah, and there's a funny story after this song, too.
James Tank by the Rumble. All right. So tell me this little story about it. Well, the story is uh, based off of uh, this guy in the Face of Souls. It's a veterans riding support motorcycle, motorcycle club. club. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I want to get the phrasing <laughs> MC, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, and they, they do a lot of uh, charity events for, for veterans and, and stuff like that. I know they work uh, a lot with the VFW Hall on Pennsylvania Avenue on the south side. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I go by that one a lot. Yeah, so... There's a there's a guy that's built like Beastmaster who's who will go nameless, uh, James. Well, you, you did a good job with the nameless. Yeah, well, yeah, but his, his nick, Tank. but his nickname is Tank because yeah. they all have their name on their jacket is like the moniker that they get when they get patched in or whatever. Okay, so his name is Tank, and uh, really that's good hearted. Yeah, built like Beastmaster, but he's a good he's a good hearted dude, um, and a mountain of a man with a heart of gold. Yeah, he takes a lot of videos and puts them on Facebook of some of these motorcycle rides. We're just doing like 80 miles an hour, and his skin's like shaking in his face, but they're like an hour long. And it's like, dude, that's, that's what this instrumental that we did kind of sounds like. Like that, like Arrow's biker exploitation music from the 70s. Mm-hmm. Like Lucifer's children came to town, and the sheriff's daughter was in trouble, starring Peter Fonda. And it, and it kind of sounds like that. Yeah. Switch blades of flying. Yeah, so it's kind of, it's kind of like a... a like a thumbs up to him as a friend of ours with like a motorcycle glory song. Yeah. I mean, because nice. one of the things that happened was when we, after Whiskey Barrel, which we mentioned before, went down that situation, uh, there was going to be another motorcycle club related show that we were playing. And he came up to me and he said, hey, brother, uh, you know what? I'll take a bullet for you. And I said, why? Why? why I don't know. Why I don't would know. You I'm just the drummer. <laughs> I'm just the drummer. But again, like heart of gold. He's just, he's just, he's a, he's a, he's a, a beast. He's, he's a wonderful man with a, he's a sweetheart. Yeah. Can you imagine there being a shootout and like a dude jumping in front of a dude on a pair of drums? Uh, yeah. I don't, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's it. I mean, that's, he's like, no, yeah. Dive in. Over. Yeah. But like, he's just, he kicks ass. He's a, he's a, he's a solid dude. And so when he, throws up those videos of him just like on the road on the twos yeah well that, that, it's an that, inspiration that that club also did a big ride to uh florabama i think that was the goal to like go to because that where that bar's cut in half and half of it's in alabama half of it's in florida kind of my mm-hmm. pensacola naval air station and then they ended up riding back so it was a pretty long haul where they all went on this 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 endeavor mm-hmm. on a motorcycle yeah. Which I wouldn't even want to drive there in my car, so it's got to be brutal. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, I uh, shoot, I, I, I just went upstate to the damn uh, down. Uh, was it Route sixty six all the way down, like in my car, like in my Jeep, and and like I had my friends with me and shit. And I mean that 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 trip alone That's was brutal. like a fucking couple hours. <laughs> like like even it more so ended up being like four <laughs> hours because like I guess because you do all the stops and everything, but it ends up being four or five hours long whenever you're going through all those different events and Did stuff. Did you see the giant ball of yarn? No, okay. that's the thing. I, 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 well, we didn't go the other way yet, so I okay. don't know. Okay. Like, if you leave here and you go toward Chicago. Texas <laughs> or like the other places, like I'm pretty sure you see other There's shit. Be some cool stuff. Like, yeah. I don't know. I know that there ain't much between here and Tulsa, other than like the major cities that have shit. But like all the, I guess COVID kind of killed all those small towns because they used to have a bunch of little diners and shit. But uh, but yeah, because we stopped at like some golf or uh, was it bowling alley in uh, Chandler? It was okay. like a like a. Route 66 bowling alley. Okay. Yeah, it was pretty cool. What was your game? Huh? Oh, I didn't play. Oh, okay. I I know when you go out. When you go out west, like, you can do it, but then there's sections of it that don't exist anymore. So then you got to get back on. 
that's what kept happening to us on this. That's a bummer because like, I've always wanted to see one of the TP motel places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that actually we we saw that like there's a TP. Uh, I guess it was like a motel or something. I don't know what the fuck that's it was. Cool. It, it said TP like like something. I have a bunch of little like bungalow type looking things. Right on and shit. But yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, we we actually went there because because uh, my my housemate wanted to see the well that's out there. It's like big ass blue well. Yeah, the wheel of Katusa. Yeah, but it but it's fucking <laughs> but it's fucking weird because like uh, like on one side of it the well looks like he's like high as shit, whereas like the other oh, side he's all smiling and stuff has a little hat. But like <laughs> if you go on the other side, his eyes okay. all like down droopy and yeah. shit. Like he's like drunk or something. So well, I mean, there's not a lot to do in Katusa, I don't think, except for drinking. So. Yeah, we went to like a little museum there and then uh, stopped by the Hard Rock, which uh, you know I didn't gamble, but. That's because I used to have a gambling problem, so I just kind of like was like, yeah, I'm just here to, you know, check out shit. I ain't, yeah, I ain't yeah. here to do any playing games. So see the sights. Let me see. Uh, do you want to play the chair or the streets? Um, our street. The street. Yeah, let's do the street the next. Street. That kind of right. breaks it up. Yeah. This is one of my favorites. Absolutely. All right.
That's the street by the Rumble. All right. Yeah, that would I'd say like like I was talking about this band before um, the effigies from Chicago, mm-hmm. where I could say that that's a kind of structured off for their their business model with that one because um, it to me with all the different chord structures going on it industrialization urbanization and urban decay uh, you know isolation alienation all, all the things that you feel like if you live in an industrial like city for instance where there's a steel mill in your backyard mm-hmm. um and we all know this, just even living in Oklahoma City. You might be in a city, but the city could be a lonely place real fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say even like with like the level of gentrification and things like that happens, you, you just suddenly feel like, I don't know what to do anymore. And mm-hmm. I think the street really, really brings that one out. Yeah, plus at the end, like with the uh, kind of sort of doing some more horn, horn fists on that, mm-hmm. and, it, and then it goes into some minors at the, at the end, and it makes it feel like a clump of dirt out of, out of a graveyard. Because it's it's supposed to sound like that. It's supposed to be depressing a little bit mm-hmm. as it still moves. Because you still got to move and make moves. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. percussion on the back end of that keeps the movement occurring while the the rest of everything that's occurring on the strings and vocally are occurring. Which it's to me, it's it's a great song. It's a fun song, and it uh, one of my influences. We've talked about this one before. Is uh, like television. I love I love television. I love that weird post-punk kind of math rock thing, Devo in the same fashion. Very, very interesting hits, but every hit matters. And I think in that one, it has that, that feeling of racing, but then what do you race towards? Yeah, we've had that conversation a lot yeah. about percussion, mm-hmm. um, where it's like, why does Peter Chris suck from Kiss? Because you hear, like, that annoys me. Why is Mick Fleetwood a fantastic drummer? Because he barely does any fills, but what he does, it's required to make the band go into another movement, and he keeps the beat. Mm-hmm. So that's something we've always tried to keep in mind with the, the, the structures of the drum. Make every hit count. Mm-hmm. Don't waste energy, and we, we don't we don't need to have all, a lot of punk bands make that mistake. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, some of that could be like immaturity, like when they're younger. Because I'm just as guilty of it too as a string player. Mm-hmm. Like we're gonna be like exploited. You're trying to play well outside of what you can do, mm-hmm. and it's like, and then it just gets lost. And people want to like that like punk rock when it starts getting good is when it all comes together with all these idiosyncrasies with time, and then the melodies are there and the vocals make sense because that's an instrument all of its own too. And you're like, man, I can like go on a road trip and listen to this in my car from mm-hmm. start to finish because it all sounds timeless. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of like what I, I actually do with music. I, I, I drive a lot, so I... It's the best place to listen to it. Like, uh, if, I can, if I can find music that I can just drive through and actually like enjoy, and no matter what the genre is, you know, it's like that's, that's what I want to listen to. So Most yeah. people listen to music more in their vehicle than anywhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, so like you spend more time, time in there than you, yeah. than you really yeah, believe. Yeah, that part of you shouldn't be spending that much time in there as much as we all do, but we do, you know. So. Yeah, you're, and then you're not distracted. Like if you're in your house, you throw a record on, and somebody calls you, and you turn the stereo off, and, you know, the, oh, yeah, I'm getting my laundry out, so I'm in another room listening to it still. But yeah. in your car, you're hyper-focused on what you're listening to mm-hmm. as you're driving. Yeah, and they, I mean, they have music for that, too, though. Like, um, what do you call it? They call it lo-fi. Um, what is it? Lo-fi hip-hop and stuff and uh, lo-fi beats. Which is like uh, music that that you just put on while you're like studying and things like yeah, that. that. And, it's, and, it, and, it, and some of it does have like actual yeah. like instrumentals and things like that in it, but it's just designed to be in the background, so you're not listening to like you know it's more instrumental based though. Well, well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because we actually uh, have had discussions about this, and we have a couple of instrumental songs that we play 
Yeah, I didn't notice that. Yeah, no, your actual song, like the 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 rumble, the rumble, is, yeah. is an instrumental, right? For the yeah. most part, or is just it? I listen to like some of it. And there's, then I, there's two. There's the rumble, which is like, mm-hmm. and then there's the lords of the rumble, which yeah. is like, which is more like a flaming groovies type of thing yeah. going on, yeah. where okay. it's like, okay, we're blasting out of the roadhouse. Let's get after it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you've heard you've heard enough songs. You've heard enough of our music. Uh, Here's just a time to sit back and relax and have a good time. And it, it gives mm-hmm. me a Let's, break from having to sing all the time, too. Because yeah. it's yeah. like, oh, man, I can actually just have fun and play my instrument, not having to sit, sit there and have a microphone in my Do you use face. that one as a uh, interlude, or do you use it as a um, yeah, we probably That one's probably like normally in about the middle of our set. Yeah, yeah, okay. it, it does serve as a sort of intermission. Yeah. Now, okay. it doesn't mean that we're not doing every single thing on the right, stage. Right, but right. for everyone else, it's like, all right, Take a break from some of these heavy themes that we do uh, tackle. In yeah, if you want to go grab songs. a beer while this is playing, then yeah, do yeah. that. And, and but you're going to do it with the fucking like badass walk. You're mm-hmm. going to look awesome. You're going to look tough. Yeah, walking out of the room with that song playing. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. One last comment about the uh, the street with the single patience on that uh, before it picks up into that power ending where it's doing that herky that old school punk rock herky jerky thing, and that kind of style with punk rock, I think kind of a lost art and that's if, like how many bands you know that you've heard lately or seen live that, that do that herky-jerky punk rock style I think it's rare uh, I think it kind of faded out in prominence probably in the mid to late 80s maybe early 90s and then we had things like uh, more of the polished pop punk the radio friendly yeah it'd be like third generation punk kinda, rock yeah that kind of took over uh, which lost sight of Sale for sake of sales, and I'm not knocking that. That's I'm not making a living making music, right? But I don't think many people yeah. are, and that's that's something that I was talking to my teachers about. I'm like, not many people here are really making money in music, exactly. Like, um, but like, there's, I mean, there was there was a reason that it started the way it did. It's because people wanted to change, um, and but then it just became. Gray begets gray begets gray. Carbon copies of carbon copies of carbon copies. And so bringing it back to some of the roots that actually inspired people to listen to stuff, I think, is really important. And I think it's something that we accomplish uh, quite well in our approach to uh, our songwriting, uh, our stage presence, our delivery, and how we play. Awesome. All right, do we want to do this last one, or we got we got people coming in now? So do you just yeah, like, cut it? Fuck them if they can't take a joke. I say we play the last song, and then we'll talk about the art show. All yeah. right, awesome.
All right, the chair by the rumble. All right, let's uh, let's talk about this art event that's coming up on the twenty third. Okay, really stoked about it. Yeah, there's this. We um, one day we we're at band practice, and I was talking about. I have some posters from my Factor Four band that are all over my house uh, in frames, and I was like, "Yeah, we d- used to do these art shows that were punk rock shows." So the bands would be playing with the artists mm-hmm. is an immersive thing, and you don't see that in Oklahoma City. It's normally a punk show. Or just an art show, yep. or an art show with like a like a trance type DJ or whatever. Yep. I was like, but we it need might to... be an open mic or like a like a uh, singer songwriter. Yeah, type stuff. smorgasbord. Of I was like, yeah. our, our, it's yeah. not a secret that our scene is is always had a bad reputation for being weak. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, how do you how do you get this together to get people to like wake up? It's like you got to get the artists talking to the musicians yep. and vice versa. And the only way to do that is to work together to make it happen. So yep. We, collaboration so we tried we tried a, a, a venue uh and that didn't work out and that's okay um we had a show at Oha backyard and uh the owner buck was there and i've known him from when he was in the quickies because we opened up for the misfits together when i was in they play wolf at farmer's market mm-hmm. and he's like yeah i liked your set the songwriting's there here you go again with another two-piece just get a bass player make, <laughs> every make it fun time. every time every time so it's like okay yeah get a bass get a bass player but we're doing this art show you were talking to me about. Now I understand. So it's like, okay. And like, I was already talking with J.D. Scott. He's a f- f- local photographer around here. That I call him the rock and roll photographer. Mm-hmm. That'd be yeah, I mean, he, he, he specializes in, in uh, the rock. concert, just like uh, Mary Ellis does a lot of the bigger stuff. So uh, yeah. those are two that I follow a lot and I work with a lot. So, so he, he's like, yeah, this would be cool. So we made the Sigmund Freud Historical Society is me, obviously Chris, Buck, and J.D. Scott, and we kind of wheelhouse this. And we split up tasks because it was too much to manage. It's like, we'll take care of the music end. Mm-hmm. Buck's going to do sound. Yeah, yeah he's, he's going to get a food truck here and sound at his joint because he's already got that equipment here. J.D. Scott, we, we, we each picked what, four artists apiece. Yeah, yeah. So I had four artists. He got to pick four artists, and, and then J.D. picked four artists. Mm-hmm. So that way it was fair. So it just it was a, one, a one-man operation playing mm-hmm. favorites. Right. Because the one thing that we know to be true, unfortunately in Oklahoma City, there's a lot of gatekeeping that goes on. Yes. Yep. And, and mm-hmm. they push. They, and if you had a good, solid idea, one of two things will happen. They'll kill it so it can never get started because they didn't cook it up. Mm-hmm. Or B, they'll try to steal it and do it themselves and push you out. Yep. So we kind of had to keep this, uh, our cards close to our chest on this. And then come to, real tight to the vest. Yeah, and then come to find yeah, out. And, then, and I think another issue that a lot of people run into out here too is, and, and I've, I've talked to like um, the uh, one of my teachers is uh, the uh, the Booker for um, Tower Theater, mm-hmm. and and he said, you know, like one of the things that, that people run into is that these these venues are booked out like a year and a half. Oh yeah, know? and so like like they're booked out so far that like it's almost impossible to get a show in. And even then, I was telling some of the local artists, I'm like, I'm like, if you get with John, like Luno or like a certain bookers, and you just get on their list. In other words, they have a list that he has off to the side that says, "Hey, if somebody backs out of a fucking show, he has a call." You know, you know ends yeah. up ends up playing those shows a lot. The killings. And caught stealing. You know why they end up that way? It was because they got on the list on like half the damn venues yeah. inside the damn town. They were smart. And so, like, and that, that's the thing if, if you're on those lists. But the problem is to be a headliner or to like actually get a show going, 
it's it's a lot harder, especially concerning the fact we don't have. I mean, we have a lot of venues, but we don't have we've, like we've, a lot of. We've venues. lost a lot of venues yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah a lot like, has happened. Think about that. Uh, just in a Paseo alone, Sauce changed. It's just a pizza place now. Yep. Red Rooster's, Red Rooster's just a hamburger gone. place. The place yep. that was Burger Punk was at Art Studio because I played in that place. During the Paseo Arts Festival one year. VZDs is... VZDs closed. Tanked. Yeah, VZDs uh, is closing. We've lost Hilo. Uh, the 89th Hilo. is moving from what I, from I what I heard online. I saw a post of it. They were talking about that they were moving to uh, 12th Street or 13th Street. That, that pro- Around the so, old uh, the Drunken Fry or... I think site, so. New, I think that, that's, that's one of those spot. buildings. Yeah, and then... Uh, and then Bora Bora Club's gone. The yeah. Chameleon Room's gone. I mean, the Hidden Castle in Norman's gone. Yep. I mean, so we've lost it, and that's a major hit yeah. for, for musicians because yeah. they're like, well, where do you play besides your living room if you want to play live? Yeah, right. and, and now and there's only a few venues left, and that's not necessarily a good thing either. You and gotta, where do the new cats cut their teeth? Like, you, have you ever you done have, a Vegas show? <laughs> a, a Vegas, Vegas show? Like, back, like the backyard? <laughs> oh. Vegas, like Vegas, Vago? Like, uh, yeah, he throws, he throws uh, outdoor, outdoor concerts at his uh, It's so hard playing outside. It's, yeah. diff- it's extremely difficult. But, yeah. So that's kind of how that came together. And uh, we started, uh, started with this. Um, our, Candace uh, made our poster. Candice Rio of Creo Designs. She's been working with me for years making posters. And uh, I noticed, like, when I went to Guest Room Records, I put some up in the window and I left a stack. I've been back there five times because what normally happens is your little handbills will sit there collecting dust. Mm-hmm. And they're still sitting there when you're bringing in new handbills for another show. They've been gone every time. Even the record store person was like, hey, like, people are talking about that when they come in here. So I think that people in Oklahoma City that live around this part find something significant about this. Mm-hmm. And are excited about it because it's about to hopefully jumpstart something. Mm-hmm. I think so too. We've we've lost some of the community in the creative uh, crowd. Um, I, it's become a little bit cliquish. And one of the things that I love about this show and other things that we have in the works is that we're trying to bring artists, musicians, performers, whatever who who don't have the opportunity always to be seen an opportunity to be seen in a way that's meaningful, potentially profitable, in a way that like starts building community that, that has not existed for quite a while out here, at least from my experience. Well, the, one yeah. con- the one concept, too, is I took a page out of the, the Chicago playbook when I was doing that before. So every artist keeps 100% of the sales of their paintings. Right, they're not paying wall space charge or commission like they would at a gallery or like. A, oh, I'm on a six forty deal right now. Yeah, and it, which and it, means that I, I take sixty, they take forty, but but it at least gets my art at out least of my a apartment. little bit of something. Yeah, yeah and it, yeah. but here it's like but, if you lose and you had to pay for wall space, you paid to play basically as an artist, and then you didn't sell anything, so you're out. Yeah, and this way, this should encourage the, the artist too to bring the cost of their paintings down because let's face it, who's coming to these? People like me who put their pants on when they get a time being an average Joe Blow yeah. who's not a millionaire. And I might have bought it for 200 or $300, but 500 bucks, no. And why do they have to jack that up? Because they're compensating for the fact that they got to pay a commission off of it or yep. get their wall space money back. Yep. Yeah. So this would hopefully bring the cost of the, the art down for, so people can actually then appreciate it and want to buy it can afford it. Well, I also no- noticed too, because uh, I recently just started getting into the art galleries here, and like uh, they also. Uh, they they go for your bigger pieces. Like they came over and they were looking at my pieces, and and she's like, "Well, I want this one and this one and this one," and they were all my larger ones. And I'm like, and you're going like, you don't want any of these small <laughs> ones. Like, and then she goes, "There's no money in those small ones. Like, like you're gonna be better off to sell them in the store." 
Like, yeah, I fully understand that's, that. Like a shop, right? Like, like cool, because a... each one of those sell for thirty dollars. I could probably make more money off those small ones if I just keep on making small ones. Yeah. I can make more money in the long run. And also, they're easier to scan because I make digitals off of all my art. So, like, I make like clothing and magazines. You know, you know, like what is it like? Cups and all sorts of products. Yeah, like you the know? Vincent Price collection. Yeah, like you can make all sorts of cool shit with that stuff. And it's like, but you can't, you can't make Grissom's that stuff if you Etsy don't. Shop. Yeah, and I mean, that's how you make money. Like, that's how artists really make money nowadays is that you make Prince. products off of your shit or prints. And it's because you can, you, can uh, you can actually increase the value of a painting just by selling the print. Yeah, and you normally and number and so, sign it. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's, that's been done before. Well, it sucks that that is the reality. But, but it also keeps it cheaper than buying the original because the original is going to be ten times more expensive than the print. Yep. Especially if you, if you blow up and if, you, and if all your prints sell for $100 a piece and that little bitty painting is this big. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about the Mona Lisa. It's literally, like, if you've ever seen it, like, it's, it's this big. Oh, yeah. It's not fucking big. But, it, but, but, they, but they make it louder in life because they, they, like, grow. You know, they, they make the size bigger with digital. And yeah, it yeah. it makes it bigger. But that's but, the thing. It's, like, ultimately what, what, what hurts everyone is the uh, commoditization of creativity. Mm-hmm. Like, what we do... What everyone on this poster yeah, right, does. Yeah, right now I yeah. feel like the truth be told, like we were making this joke. Like I feel like the Woodstock promoters. It's like we got Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin and who, yeah. Yeah. and then now we're going to be stuck holding up, picking up all the garbage, and we lost a million dollars on this because yeah. our band's in a hole. Like just yeah. for the Magic Eight Ball reading chair, that's over budget because oh. that was that was a poster joke that turned real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A lot of the, a lot later. of those those kids at that at that uh, that school they don't they don't understand whenever that teacher twenty years in was saying. Was saying, dude, it's a hard industry, and sometimes you'll be broke, and you'll be like, yeah. so they're crying in your fucking bed that night because you're like, God damn it, man! Like, I lost so much fucking money today. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like, so, it's like, yeah, but it's there's also a fucking but, lack of valuation. But but, of the, but, the, but the, the reward is amazing. Sure. Well, the reward Once, for know. us is like, this is not going to be the last one, and and I'm I'm not going to divulge details of the next one, but it is coming, and it's going to be coming sooner than later, mm-hmm. and we'll, the, the next podcast will talk about that. Mm-hmm. Because here we go again. We don't. We're holding our cards close to our right, chest. Do that. Yeah. Keep it in. So, and there's and there's a reason for it. Um, you probably know about it any, anyway. We but just, hopefully, we just, we're just not going to loose lips sink yeah. ships. Yeah, 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 right. Hopefully, here's the thing. This will maybe be the start of a sea change. And I don't want to sound like hyperbolic in saying so, but maybe we can start bringing people together in a way that we actually support one another from the venue side to the performer side so that people actually get to get entertained. The bars get to have their wells drunk dry. Everyone makes money, has a good time. Except for the rumble. Except in the hole. (laughs) But that's all we want. Yeah, you sit there like, man, how many welding dollars got invested in that poster today? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, totally know what you're talking about because, like, I mean, I, you you could look at my equipment and know like well, how much money I've dropped into this shit. I'm talking like over a thousand, two thousand dollars. Oh yeah, because it's, like, it's not year. cheap. So it's, it's not cheap to do though. this stuff, and so um, yeah, um, so yeah, uh, September 23rd at the um, Four Core or is it Four Core? How they say or Core Four? The core Four. Core Four, four, four Brewery. Seven North Lee Avenue. Uh, the art show portion starts at six, and then it'll be a two-hour window, so people could like peruse the paintings and not get blasted out by the noise, you know. And they could talk and commiserate. Mm-hmm. And, and also, the, all ages. The, it's also all ages because even though it's a brewery, it's not a bar. So this is it, you could bring children to this. Nice. And I've seen them in here before, so I know it's real. Yeah, and I saw some kids over there. Yeah, so that's kind of unique, so. you know, which yeah. is good because people that are, that are like my age bracket, being older. 
the you got like a teenage tax- son that might want to go. You don't have to leave him behind this time. Yep, and the tune right. tax man comes around, and people tend to dip. So guess what? We also have no cover. So nice. just come around, hang out, check out some badass artists, check out some good bands, us included, and then uh, just support the local creative community. Yep, Sigmund Freud Historical yeah. Society that's show. It's kind of what I what I mind to my soapbox, <laughs> you know, like promote local, like promote local music, artists, comics, like all yep. of it. Yep. Like your producers, your recorders, all these people that are local that are doing things for the industry, support them because, like, honestly, like we're we're all working really, really hard to build the scene out here again, and and it's like we don't want it to fall in the early. Lot stages of, of society where it was like I, I where like feel things are start- used to fight all the time. Yeah, bubble into like- the surface because I've noticed just with this and talking to people because this show's gaining steam amongst the community. The people are, are like happy and excited for it. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost kind of a first, mm-hmm. and it's like man, alive. I hope that I think it's going to do well, and then that's if that's the one that's going to set the tone for the next one, mm-hmm. which is going to help set the tone for the next one, and it can keep being more fantastic. And snowball it. Bring in yeah. different bands and bring in different artists so it's just not the same show over and over and over again because right. that's unproductive. Yep. Yeah, and then you bring in different venues and different locations. Absolutely. Like that Exa- that exactly. Doing it. Because then it's like like uh, James Nim does a thing called the pop-up uh, radio, or was it Comedy Robot Saves Comedy, Save City? Uh, and it, so he, he's been doing it at the, the um, Speakeasy, but he does it, pops up all over town where he just has random comics do like open mics and stuff. And then he also has comics from out of town and stuff because he he was saying that he just got, he got sick and tired of not being able to see all these like smaller artists that are in the comedy game like that that world like those guys they they wouldn't come to the city because they can't get a they can't get a location to play yeah. like, to to do it you know to do a comedy show and so like he was like well why don't I just do it and so he just set up a pop up shop across the city and just like that's what he does is that he just sets up with the venues and just has people. And there to see a comedy show, you know, and that, and I feel like you could do that with music. You could do that with, you could do it with everything. I mean, uh, a lot of I know a lot of people that run the open mics and the uh, the singer songwriter stuff. They do that too. They yeah. pop up all yeah. over the city. So I think the punk scene, the metal scene, you know, all those scenes, like they could they could use it. And I would even know. just uh, like negate the the uh, the qualifier, just the music scene, just the creative scene. There's, everyone needs to work together to make something good. No undercutting. Let's just Most, be here well, to support at, well, one another. Why was New York City's music, music scene had an explosion in the 70s and early 80s where you had filmmakers like Jim Jamoosh and guys like that and uh, James Chance with his, like, pretending his saxophones got stolen so he could turn it in for insurance money to make an independent film. <laughs> he was a musician, and they were all working together with the artists and the filmmakers and musicians to create a certain world. And that's why... Th- it is what it is. Yeah. And Oklahoma City should have one of those, too. Yep. And you got to get the right players in the game to, like, have a come-to-Jesus meeting. And I might not agree with all your ideas, but some of your ideas are awesome, just like some of my ideas might not be so good. So we mm-hmm. sanity check each other to try to make it the best that we can. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, it's great talking to you guys. Uh, yeah, this is the Rumble. And uh, uh, so the Local Earshot Podcast, I run on the Value for Value system. That is time, talent, and treasure. I value everybody's time for listening. I know that there's many podcasts out there, and you could be listening to pretty much any of them. I mean, there's there's a lot more music podcasts coming out now. When I first started this, there wasn't that many local music podcasts. Now they're starting to pop up. So as for talent, if you are an artist and you want to be on the podcast, you can reach out to me at john at com or on, on my socials, Instagram, or the Facebook page. Just message me through there. 
Um, and as for the third T is treasure. So everything is donation based. All equipment is bought for the show, and everything pretty much goes right back into the show. So, um, so if you want to donate to the show, you can go over to localearshot.com. There's a tab that says donate. Uh, you can take uh, or, or take like crypto, cash app, Venmo, like all those different things that turn into money. So uh, thank you for listening.